Hi listeners, I just wanted to record a little something beforehand that, yes, obviously this was recorded a couple of weeks ago, back before things got pretty serious all across the world. I actually was originally hoping to get this episode up way sooner, but again, I don't need to tell you all that with the current pandemic crisis, me and my entire household have been kind of scrambling to make sure we're going to be okay for the at least the next couple of weeks or so. Thus, the podcast editing had to take a back seat for a little bit. So apologies if the editing in this episode is a little spotty. I kind of rushed it so I could get it out before the end of the month. But hopefully it's still something you can enjoy listening to for a little while and maybe it can help you take your mind off of things for a moment. I've been honestly feeling a bit helpless lately, so if I can at least do that for some people, that does make me feel a little bit better. Anyway, I know you're all probably tired of hearing about it by now, but I hope that if you are able to, you are doing your best to stay home and limit your interactions with others, not just to keep yourself safe, but to also keep the people the most at risk out there safe. I know it's currently a tough time for everyone, but if you are someone who has the means and is able, I would so appreciate tips of any sort at my Ko-fi account, which is ko-fi.com slash bunnycartoon, all one word. Or you can even PayPal me directly at onamainnostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Not just me, but my entire household, right down to my cats, appreciate every single tip that I have gotten recently. It seriously does help immensely, and I am incredibly, incredibly grateful to each and every one of those tips that I've gotten. And don't feel bad if you can't afford it. As someone who just had to put a lot of things on pause to save money for the time being, I understand completely. We're all in this together, and we're all doing the best that we can right now. Now, if you're a regular listener, you probably already know that. Normally, I do my episodes in a schedule of two long episodes with a guest and then a short review episode by myself. But given the state of things, I'm going to see if I can do another long episode for April as well. I'm not sure what the topic will be yet, but I'll keep you all posted. I think that not only... Will it be more fun for y'all to listen to, but it'll be more fun for me to record as it gives me an excuse to be more social, even if it's just chatting with someone online for a podcast. So, you know, moving forward, I don't know what the future holds at the moment, but I'm going to try to keep doing the podcast for as long as I am able, partially for my own sanity, and also to maybe try to help the anime community have you know, yet another podcast in your feed to listen to if you're stuck at home and have nothing to do and want a distraction from everything currently. So now that that's all out of the way, let's get on with the actual episode. Take care, enjoy, and remember to wash your hands. Sailor Moon says...
Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Usumimi, and with me today is a brand new guest to the show. Please welcome Samantha. Welcome, Sam. Hi there. Glad to be here. Yay. I'm so happy to have you on because... I knew when I got this idea for this episode, I, I knew the exact person I had to go to <laughs> for this topic, uh, because today we are talking about Sakura Wars. Oh boy, I know a little thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Says the person whose Twitter handle is like, what was it again? Sakura Wars fangirl. I am Anime Herald Sakura Wars nerd. <laughs> I think... I would say you're the Sakura Wars, like, expert at this point. <laughs> because anytime someone has a question about it, I you have, like, this sixth sense, and I just see you swoop in and answer <laughs> any questions anyone ever has about it. I, I'm just kind of in the right place at the right time, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> but that is wonderful, because, uh, I mean, I love Sakura Wars. It is a franchise that I've always really enjoyed uh but i haven't consumed like everything in regards to sakura wars because there's a lot but you have a very extensive collection of sakura wars yeah i definitely kind of went a little overboard i think um (laughs) to say lightly um i kind of made my mission to hunt down every skew of every game at this point (laughs) and I'm almost there. Yeah, which is saying something because there's a lot. I mean, because, I mean, we'll get into it, but there's like, you know, the video games and then all the spin off games. And then, like, the, of course, what we're probably going to talk the most about here, because it, in relation to my show, the anime that started in the 90s and has kind of um, slowed down a little bit, but like throughout the 90s and the early 2000s was pretty much like on for like a while. Yeah, it was pretty much as long as there was um, a game in stores. They had an anime either in the works or out or um, out on shelves. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Sakura Wars is because I don't know if some of you listeners realize, but there is a brand new Sakura Wars game coming soon in America and in uh, Europe as well. Which uh, I was super stoked about because when they announced it in Japan, I was like, oh, man, rub it in our noses. Why don't you another Sakura Wars game that we're not going to (laughs) get? And then lo and behold, we are also getting this Sakura Wars game. And so I was just so excited. I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if I did an episode about Sakura Wars? (laughs) Mostly just so I could have an excuse to talk about Sakura Wars. <laughs> Why, Usamimi, that sounds like in some ulterior motives there. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but anyway, before we move forward, something that I always like to do when I have a new guest on the show is since, you know, they're usually kind of in about the same age range as me. Uh, and some of our listeners as well, I like to ask how you first got into anime and manga back in the day. All right. Well, that's actually a fun story because I was very young when I first started watching watching um, 
anime as a kid um, and actually kind of knowing what it was. When I was about seven or eight years old, uh, my uncle showed me episodes of Galaxy Express 999. Oh. Um, I didn't know what they were saying. It was subtitled at the time, but it was just something that kind of stirred within me. And after we finished what he had on tape, we ended up uh, he ended up taking me to his anime club where I kind of got to see a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, from there, I just kind of grew. Um, I've been watching anime since uh, 1990. I want to say 92 at this point. So let's see. That was E at that point. So almost 30 years. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. That's that's interesting that like your first exposure was like actually something that was in Japanese that somebody showed you because usually it's you know oh I saw this thing on TV or you know we rented a tape of something uh, so you had like a, a different experience than I would say the bulk of people around our age did. In retrospect, it's definitely I, I have some questions like why would you let a why would you let an eight year old kid watch Dirty Pair? <laughs> That is a little bit like, hmm, I guess it would depend on the kid. Like, you know, when I was a kid, my parents let me watch a lot of stuff that now I'm like, hmm, really? <laughs> yeah. Adults making great decisions. <laughs> the saga continues. <sighs> but, uh, I mean, Galaxy Express is not like a bad introduction to anime that was like one of my first introductions though i saw the movie first not the like tv show mm. uh and i saw that really great roger corman dub <laughs> back in the day oh boy <laughs> good old one take corman right uh, gotta love him but i mean hey without without that i would have never like i would have never known that existed so i mean i guess he's good for something <laughs> good point <laughs> but now that you've answered this question so sakura wars uh also known as sakura taisen but we're just gonna call it sakura wars because that's the official english title of not only the show when it was released here but like the the games as well so it's just easier um so sakura wars samantha how would you describe Sakura Wars to someone who's never seen the anime or played the video games before? All right. Um, hmm. Let me see if I can think of just something here. Um, imagine if you may, just Tokyo, 1928 or so. It's a crystal blue sky, camera pans over a series of row houses in the downtown area. And, <clears throat> excuse me. In the distance, you can see a few smokestacks just lazily belching smoke up. Something flies across, but you can't quite tell what it is. Camera cuts to an aerial shot. You see a massive dirigible flying by. And ahead of it comes these odd creatures. They look like bats at a glance, but something tells you they're not quite right. Camera cuts again. And it's a train barreling down the tracks. You have... This sight of say something again, just not quite right, clambering through the through the um through the streets. All the while up on the streets, people walk 
mindlessly not paying attention to these little demonic creatures that just skitter right by. Um, the whole thing culminates in this, this one scene where a young woman gets off a train. She heaves a sigh, carries a pack to Ueno Park. She takes one glimpse of the overall skyline. A scream rings out. She turns. Giant me- mechanical monstrosity is clamoring through the city. She drops her back, pulls out her sword, and just takes down with one slice. I mean, that's your introduction to the series, which is a steampunk romance about a group of covert military soldiers who pilot steam-powered mechs to fight demonic forces. And at the same time, they moonlight as uh, as actresses in a musical theater troupe to maintain a cover and to bring light to the, to the land of Tokyo while banishing the darkness that lurks just beneath the surface. Yes. Oh, it's so exciting. Like It is. Uh, it, the minute that I read a description in, uh, I think it was New Type uh, when I was younger, and I, you know, my Japanese is pretty spotty, but I recognized musical troupe. I recognized the Taisho era. I recognized that all of the mechs were steam powered. And I was just like, what is this? This sounds so cool. Like, I think all of those things together sound neat. <laughs> God, yeah. It's like there's nothing in that sentence that sounds bad. Right? Nothing in that sentence. Sounds- and it's an all female troupe, except yeah. for one dude. <laughs> Because, of course, it has to be. Yeah, because uh, Soccer Wars started out as a, quote, dramatic adventure game <laughs> for the Sega Saturn. And that was first released in Japan in 1996. Mm-hmm. And the series became wildly successful, like we were talking about, with multiple sequels and spinoffs for many different consoles, many different platforms. And as the series went on, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It like it got its own live stage show which is great because they the characters like you said moonlight as a, a dancing troupe yeah and so like was- all of this fits it's like it's really really interesting how like you wouldn't think all of this stuff fits together hmm. but it totally works oh yeah and it, the way it works out it's just it's just amazing overall franchise that just kind of blends everything together it's like you can be a fan of the games but not even know the anime or the musical stage you can be a fan of the anime and just not care about either you can just watch the musicals for all they care and it's you'll still get that wonderful glimpse into this world of the characters and everything you just want to keep looking and digging Mm-hmm. yeah it's um and also there was uh like drama cds and stuff too i believe uh I think I remember them also doing like dramas of like some of the actual plays that they put on, which I thought was like a fantastic idea. I was like, uh, duh, if they're actresses, then this is perfect. <laughs> so there's like so many different ways to consume this franchise because it just goes into like, uh, so many different uh, creations. And like you said, like it, it almost reminds me of Sailor Moon. Like there's, so many different like versions of Sacro Wars that you could kind of just find the one you like the most and stick with it. You don't necessarily have to go and consume all of them unless you really, really want to. 
uh, which is really interesting for like a franchise like this that started out as a video game. Um, so, <laughs> uh, ironically, the series was created in part by game developer Oji Hiroi after he saw a Japanese stage production of the play Shanghai Rhapsody and was so impressed by the spectacle of the act, the uh, acting troupe that he was like, what if I did a game that involved an acting troupe? <laughs> and that's where that came from, ironically. <laughs> it all started with that, with this game developer going to see a show and going, wouldn't that be cool if there was a video game that had a troupe like this? <laughs> Just goes to show you that inspiration can literally come from anything. But another thing I really like about it is that it takes place during the Taisho era, which I feel like doesn't get a lot of love in anime. Like most, uh, like sort of historical fiction anime is set in like the Meiji era or something. Uh, so anything that has to do with like Taisho, I'm like super excited about because I kind of just love that era where it's like sort of this like tradition. It's still like traditional Japanese, but also with like a, almost Victorian flair sort of going on to it because they're just starting to get like the Western influence and stuff going on. So a lot of the fashion is really cool and you get stuff like, you know, more trains and technology thrown into the mix, but it's still like very, very Japanese. Uh, so you don't see a lot of that. Like uh, one of the main things I can think of that took place in the Taisho era would be um, Haikara-san which they just did a remake of that series in movie form not too long ago, a couple years ago. Uh, but other than that, there's like not a lot of anime that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, other than, was it Taisho Baseball <laughs> Girls? Yeah, that's the, that's the only one I can think of too. Like just off the top of my head, just because the name was just, it's like hitting you right in the face with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> But other, yeah, other than that, there's not like a whole heck of a lot of uh, Taisho stuff uh, out there. So I was like, ooh, ooh, I really like this. Because <laughs> like when I say fashion, there's a lot of really cool fashion like in the Sakura Wars franchise, mm. uh, especially as like the years go on and like the timeline sort of goes on, like their fashion changes, which I always appreciate. Like they get different outfits like every every game, which is mm. cool. <laughs> yeah, and they got multiple outfits for a game too, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So the first anime adaptation was a four-part OVA, and that was created and released in Japan starting in December of 97, with the English release following in November of 1998, uh, licensed by ADV. Uh, this would be a lot of fans' first exposure to the franchise in the West, because famously, we didn't get the video games. Rips, womp womp. Rip Sakura Tyson World Project. I know. They planned it. They they had this big uh, uh, sort of group that was, like, promoting it. They had, like, articles and pictures and things in, like, all the video game magazines saying, like, ooh, look, this anime game is going to be coming out here. Like, that was the big thing. Like, um, they were trying to be like, ooh, look, it's anime. That's really hot right now, right, kids? Ooh, anime. Uh, so, like, I was really excited because I had actually seen the anime um from a friend who had gotten copies of the 
<laughs> the laser discs and it copied it to tape and sent it to me. So I watched, I originally watched Sacro Wars with like no subtitles whatsoever. So it was a little hard to follow for me at times, but I was still like, I love this. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> what was your first um, exposure to the franchise? Oh, that's, that's a funny one, actually. My first exposure was outside of just, like, a little game magazine type things, like, just previous, because, you know, I just kind of read through those, forget about them. But <clears throat> I'd probably say my first exposure came on a fan sub tape. Um, someone just kind of backfilled with a lot of Japanese commercials, and on there was the the Sigata Sanchiro commercial for Soccer Wars 2. Oh. And it kind of stuck with me, like, that little... 30 second ad then I kind of want to read more into it started, I started picking up the anime and things like that and I finally picked up the the first game um, was a gift from my friend Matt Brown actually when I graduated from high school oh well that's cool was it high school or not high school Um, it was community college sorry like a couple years later but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like 2003-2004 so mm-hmm. So your first exposure was the game. Well, the the fan sub and then the the fan sub commercial and then the game. <laughs> yep, the fan sub commercial, then the anime, then the game. <laughs> it, it was it's a really weird timeline. <laughs> yeah, I actually did play the first game. I had a friend who they had uh, access to like an import game store because they lived in California. And so they got the first game, and after they played it, they literally mailed me the game if I promised that after I played it, I would mail it back to them. And I was like, yes, I will do that. (laughs) So they mailed me the game. I played it as quickly as possible (laughs) on my console because I had um, one of those, like, boot discs that you could put in your um, Dreamcast. And then you removed it, and then you put in the import game, and then it would play it. <laughs> it was like a, I don't know what they called it, like a scrambler or something. It yeah. just, it basically tricked your Dreamcast into thinking it was a different uh, area, uh, you know, different region because of the region locks. And then you take it out and you put the, the Japanese disc in it, and then you could play it. <laughs> <laughs> which was great because then I didn't have to mod anything. It was super mm. convenient for me because like, you know, I didn't want to accidentally break my Dreamcast because that was a lot of money. <laughs> mm. But um, so I played that game like as quickly as possible. Cause I didn't want to like, you know, keep it for like two years and then mail it back. Um, but I somehow managed to finish it, even though like my Japanese is terrible. I had, like, a vague walkthrough that I found online, but it was, like, very inconsistent. (laughs) Uh, But I somehow managed, and I was, like, uh, we we haven't really mentioned it yet, I don't think, but in the game, you can, you, you basically play as the one male character, which is Ogami, and he's kind of like a stand in for you, basically. And so throughout the game, you're getting to know all these female characters of the dance troupe. Uh, but you can also, if you choose to, you don't technically have to, uh, you can romance one of them if you want to. And so I was like, sure, I'm going to do that. And I think I tried to romance Maria because, of course, I did. 
but <laughs> but I ended up like doing some things wrong so I ended up my romance option ended up being Kana which I was also okay with because I love Kana as well <laughs> I was like this is fine this is great uh but like the minute I was done I was like okay now I have to pack this all up and send it back to my friend <laughs> but um when the second and third games came out I actually did save up and I got those for myself because I was like I had a lot of fun with that and I wouldn't mind playing more of these because there isn't any more anime coming out right now. So I really want more of these characters. And like after those games, they start introducing more characters. And you're like, whoa, so many characters. <laughs> and the anime could, couldn't possibly like introduce you to everybody. Because even in that first anime in the 90s, there's like a lot of characters that like only get like a brief cameo in that four-part OVA. Uh, because there's just so many characters that can, you know, cram them all into mm. that first part. Like, I think the, um, you see some of the girls from the Wind Division, like, very briefly in the OVA. Uh, but then they're, like, there, and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah, poor Yuri, Subaki, and Kasumi. They only get, like, 30 seconds of screen time between them. I know. It's so sad. Because they're it's, really cute. And they're, they're great characters. They are. So the the anime is pretty much like, it kind of sets up a lot of the characters and is kind of like, well, if you like the video game, like here's a cameo of like mm -hmm. some of the other characters, but we don't have enough time for that. So <laughs> here here's just like a little wink wink to the people who know, like if you know, you know. Mm. <laughs> but because um, I remember when I watched it, I was like, who are those girls? I haven't seen them throughout the whole thing. And then they were gone. And I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't until I played the game where I was like, oh, that's who they are. Because the the story of Sakura Wars goes is that, you know, this is a alternate reality Taisho Japan. And, <laughs> and the, the military has come up with these really cool steam-powered mechs, and they're going to use these to fight off these, like, weird demon invaders that have been, like, invading Japan and wreaking havoc. Uh, but they're powered by spirit energy. And it seems like the only people that they can find that have spirit energy are from these women that they find throughout the whole world, not just Japan, but... Uh, that's another cool thing I like about the series is that like the the female characters that are in Soccer Wars, they're from all over the place, not just Japan. So you have characters from France, you have characters from Russia, you have characters from China, you have characters from Paris, uh, just all over the place, which is really cool. It's a very diverse cast of characters, mm -hmm. especially as the series goes on. There's like so many, like there's characters from Spain, uh, America... Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, basically almost everywhere. This isn't a spoiler, but the new game does have Germany, too. Oh, neat! That's yeah. cool. Yeah, see, I was wondering if they would, like, try to find any other, like, places to have characters from. Because, like, they've gotten some of the bigger ones down. But I was like, there's, there's still probably a few that they could pull from that I think would be pretty interesting. And so, like, they've gathered all of these women together that have shown... Uh, potential that they can use spirit energy which is basically like um, uh, they have some sort of like latent 
telepathy or spiritual powers. So these women are brought together and they use their spirit energy to pilot these steam-powered mechs with their spirit energy. But they don't have any military training whatsoever, so they have to get someone from the military, which is uh, the the one ma- the token male character. <laughs> and it's his job. He's got to train them. He's got to make them become more of a coherent group. But also, like you were saying before, they daylight as a theater troupe, like a musical theater troupe. So they also have to practice singing and dancing and acting (laughs) so that they can keep their cover so people don't know that there's this, like, whole secret battle against demons and stuff going on in Japan. Uh, which it sounds kind of ridiculous, and at times it really is. Sometimes they really play on the comedy aspects of this, which is actually great. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but it somehow it all works, and it's so entertaining and so fun. And uh, there's just a huge cast of characters. Um, but the the franchise starts with sort of like a core cast of characters. So... Since we're focusing mostly on the 90s anime adaptation, we're going to focus on the, like, quote, classic uh, Sakura Wars and that core cast. Uh, So we'll probably get to those characters, like, in a second. But we've already kind of touched on this before. But what about Sakura Wars do you like the most, Sam? What do you think makes it so special? Oh, my God. I do not know where to begin there. (laughs) Um, I know. That's kind of a loaded question because I know a lot of it is very special to you. It is. It's a it's honestly, it's just a series that makes me happy. I mean, everything about this, the world, the characters, the, the setting, the villains, everything just it's so bright and vibrant and lively. And there's just something that runs through it that just grabs you and makes you want to keep seeing more and learning more and kind of want to explore this world more and more it's just a beautifully done beautifully done series there's a lot of heart a lot of love coming from the staff coming from the team coming from the actors everyone seems to really want to just make this a part of you know make this thing a reality and it's just a beautiful combination of um just passion and and skill that brings it all together in this beautiful amazing final product that I haven't found anything that matches it yet. Yeah. I was trying to think if there was anything that kind of gave me like Sakura Wars vibes. Um, And honestly, the only thing I could think of would be like to compare the video games um, would be like lately. (laughs) I know this is going to sound weird, but lately I've been playing a game called Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I would argue that Sakura Wars walked so Fire Emblem Three Houses could run <laughs> because a lot of the the elements of Three Houses is so similar to what you would expect from a Sakura Wars game. It is a tactical combat game, but at the same time, you are a teacher. You have to teach this ragtag group of kids that you literally just met, not only as a regular teacher, but you have to train them to become warriors <laughs> to defeat, like, this group 
that controls demons and all this other stuff. So, you know, not only do you have to, like, grow your bonds between, like, all these kids, you have to grow the bonds between each other, like, you and the kids, as, as well as the kids themselves with, you know, the other kids. But you can also choose to romance somebody. And, you know, there's all this, like, you know, tactical battle stuff going on. And you have to be very careful about, like, moving stuff. And the the battle layouts kind of remind me of, like, the old Sakura Wars battle layouts. Where it's kind mm-hmm. of, like, uh, you go square by square. And you have to, like, choose, like, if you're going to do, like, an attack or a block or a magical attack or whatever. Uh, and I was like, this is kind of in the same vein, honestly. <laughs> like, so I feel like if you are playing that, because that's a pretty new-ish game, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, and you are just like, this game rules. I love this game. I feel like you would totally get into Sakura Wars if you like that kind of stuff. Like, it's not the same sort of story, but, like the elements that make up that story are all very, very similar. And I feel like the character writing is just as strong in Sakura Wars, if not even stronger, because there's just so many, like, very well-beloved characters in Sakura Wars, and the cast just keeps growing and growing (laughs) as the games go on. But that is really the only thing I can compare it to, um... You know, uh, anime-wise, it's a little harder because, like, the anime, the story for the anime is, like, kind of the same but slightly different. It's not exactly like the game is because, you know, if they were like, well, if we make it exactly like the game, no one's going to care. So the story skews a little bit in both the OVA and the TV series, which the TV series came in, like, 2000, I believe? Yep, 2000. Yeah, 2000. Um, and they were like, well, you know, we already did this first OVA, uh, so let's try something different with, with this TV series. So the TV series has a different continuity as well. <laughs> so, like, each part has, like, a different sort of continuity. And I feel like each part, like you said, has its pluses and minuses. Mm. Uh, you know, not everything is exactly the same. Uh, so it's kind of like you can choose to start with one or the other and, like, you're going to get a different experience with each thing. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, when, when you were also... When you were talking about how, like, the... Just, like, there's so much good about it and everything together just makes it this big, huge, amazing thing. Like, I was sitting down, like, watching... Rewatching the um the the first OVA just recently. And I was just thinking about how... Sakura Wars is just, like, a veritable super group of talent, the people who created it and were a part of it. Oh. Be- because, like, so many popular creators collaborated on this. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, uh, it reads like a, a best of the 90s. I mean, you had Oji Hiroi, who designed the Far East of Eden games. You had um, Satoru Akahori, who did uh, Saber Baronet, Sorcerer Hunters, Maze of Megara Space, um... Like 500 other shows I can't think of at the moment. You had Kosuke <laughs> Fujishima, who did um, Oh My Goddess, You're Under Arrest. You had Kohei Tanaka, who is, I still think, one of the greatest composers of our time. He's just so great. Oh, totally, totally. And and that's not even counting like all of the very popular in the 90s uh, voice actors. 
in Japan mm. that were a part of this. Like, there were so many. So many. It, like, blows my mind thinking about it. I was like, it's really no wonder when you sit and think about it why the series is so popular. It mm. just had so much talent in every aspect of its creation that it was, like, almost too big to fail, right? It really... And honestly, the funny thing is, they were really skeptical of it when it first was in production. Like, um, because it, the Sega had some trepidation toward uh, Heroi's casting method at the time because um, he the way he sought out like voice talent, like um, Chichi Yokoyama, um, uh, Kikuko Inoue, and so on. Um, this was actually an interview with, I believe, um, one of the Sakura books, but he said that he was looking for actresses that spoke as if they were singing. Oh. So he, he was look, he was like trying to get that, uh, like an almost melodic harmonic sound just from the, from the dialogue, which is really fascinating. And Sega was kind of anti about it. That is, and I didn't know that, but like that makes total sense. Like when you say that, because all of them, all of the actresses that were involved are good singers. Like, and I guess you would have to be if you're going to be like, okay, well, they're going to be actresses who are in a musical theater troupe, so they have to sing. <laughs> so that makes sense. Mm. Um, but they're all like super good. So since I've already mentioned like a couple of the characters, why don't we go down like the the core like. Sakura classic uh, <laughs> list of characters. Like Coke classic, it's Sakura classic. <laughs> so uh, we have the Sakura of the series. We have Sakura Shinguji. Uh, she was voiced by Chisa Yokoyama, uh, a.k.a. Sasami and Tenshi Muyo, Noin in Gundam Wing, and like a bunch of other stuff. Um, this was my first time hearing her in like a non- like, quiet little girl role, <laughs> I think. Because um, usually she kind of gets typecast like that. And in Sakura Wars, she's, like, a really, like, strong, capable woman. Which, like, totally blew me away. And I can see why she's sort of, like, the face of Sakura Wars. Like, I mean, obviously, she's Sakura. But um, she's also just, like, that sort of traditional Japanese ideal of, like, this is a cool beautiful feminine warrior lady you know <laughs> oh definitely she was um just a great lyric character and um i mean she was strong she was capable but then she had this side that was just legitimately hilarious when she just kind of fell into some of the anger <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she's she's the daughter of a well-known swordsman who passed away during the war, I believe. And, um, you know, she basically takes up the mantle and learns her father's, like, you know, very cool sword techniques. And uh, with her latent spiritual energy uh, abilities, she's able to do, like, these really cool, uh, you know, sort of, like, sword attacks with her katana. And she's... <laughs> She's sort of like the country bumpkin of the group, uh, but she's, it's really cute and endearing though. Like she's, she's very sort of like naive, but, but very strong and capable, but like also, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of times where she's sort of portrayed as like being a little clumsy and, uh, a little bit, you know, second guessing herself all the time. 
let's see, we have Sakura. Then ah, we have Maria Tachibana, who's voiced by Urara Takano, uh, a.k.a. Mara in Oh My Goddess, uh, Vefidas in Macross 7, and like a whole bunch of other people. Uh, she is pretty well known as being one of the fan favorite characters. <laughs> because when Sakura Wars first started coming out, I saw so many Maria Dojinjikis <laughs> at cat conventions. Everyone was like, Maria! <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I get because she's, like, the first time I saw her, I got very strong Haruka vibes. Like Haruka from Sailor Moon. <laughs> and I think it's it's mostly the hairstyle. But also she's very cool. She's originally from Russia, so she has blonde hair. She has blue eyes. She's very mysterious. She wears, like, a long, dark coat and carries a gun. She She's very soft-spoken, uh, but very, very gentle, but also very tough. And uh, she's the captain of the Imperial Flower team uh, when we are first introduced to the group. And... I have to say, like, <laughs> when I first saw her, I was like, she looks really cool. I want to know more about her. <laughs> <laughs> we also have, this is another fan favorite, but I think for very different reasons. Uh, Sumari Kanzaki, uh, who is voiced by Michi Tomizawa, uh, aka Doris in Vampire Hunter D, Sailor Mars in Sailor Moon, uh, et cetera, et cetera. She's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, she's probably one of the more uh, well-known voice actresses, uh, probably next to Chisa Yokoyama in the series. She is basically the <laughs> the Ojo-sama of the group. <laughs> I'd say that's fair to say, right? I'd say that's being kind. <laughs> oh, man. She is just amazing. Just snarky, haughty, knows exactly when to take a dig and how to take a dig. <laughs> She is yeah, great. She, she's the the very wealthy uh, daughter, I believe, of no granddaughter, granddaughter of the uh, the the man who basically invented the steampunk armor that they all wear. So she uses this <laughs> to uh, basically be like, "Well, my grandfather did this." <laughs> So she basically thinks she runs everything because, you know, her grandpa, she's like, my grandpa made all this and I helped discover how it worked. So technically that means I'm the boss of all of you. <laughs> At first, she she really comes off as being like really snobby and kind of snotty and, and rude. But, you know, as the game and the anime continues, we find out it's sort of like her front for, you know, not getting too close to people because she's very much like, you know, I have to prove myself that I can take care of myself because, you know, this is Taisho era and this is still a time where, like, a lot of people looked down on women and, you know, told them they weren't capable of anything. You know, you're not as smart or as competent as a man. And she was just not having any of that. So most of the time she puts on airs to show people that, you know, she is 
entirely capable of taking care of herself, which she is. Mm. But it just also kind of comes off in the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> is it the wrong way or is it the best way? <laughs> hmm. I guess it would depend on who you ask. Yeah. Because I-, <laughs> I know there are some people who, like, they really are like, Sumari is the best. And I'm just like, not my type, but yeah. go you. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely not my type, but she is hilarious, especially when she gets going with Kana. Oh, oh my god. Her and Kana, <laughs> they are great. <laughs> That's That was a very popular doujinshi ship. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So much um, Sumari and Kana. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Which, I mean, I get it. It's got, It's a very sort of, like, um, uh, love-hate relationship going on there. So mm-hmm. I, can de- I can definitely see it. But speaking of Kana... Kana, Kana Kirishima, uh, voiced by Miyumi Tanaka, a.k.a. Ryunosuke in Urusei Atsura, and Krillin in Dragon Ball, <laughs> among many others. But those are, like, probably two that uh, my listeners would know pretty well. Uh, I instantly recognized her voice, like, the minute she started talking. I was like, that's Mayumi Tanaka. I know that Krillin voice anywhere. <laughs> But I loved, like, the minute she started talking, I was like, I love her. I would protect her with my life. <laughs> Except it would probably be the total opposite. She would probably be protecting me. <laughs> because I'm a weak, tiny woman. And she is a big, strong one. <laughs> so Kana is great. She comes from a very long line of karate masters. And so she is, like, super tough, super buff. Uh, takes no shit from anybody. Uh, always ready to fight. She's like very sort of, she's like the tomboy, I guess, of the group. Like, cause, you know, in these sort of like, quote, dating sim, uh, style games, there always has to be like, you know, each character can kind of be put into different archetypes, even though these characters are written, written way better than that. But, um, if we had to like, you know, put them under archetypes. Kana would definitely be like the, you know, oh, tomboy kind of one because she's not like traditionally feminine or whatever. Um, But she is so cool. Like, (laughs) I love her. She is so tough and so fun. And she's like one of the only people that will ever stand up to Samare and uh, be ready to like throw down with her, which (laughs) is great. I'm always happy that Kana is there to sort of like put her in her place sometimes. <laughs> their fights are their fights are legendary. Totally. Oh my god. It's great. <laughs> uh we also have Ri Koran, uh, who is voiced by Yuriko Fuchizaki, uh, aka she's Ibuki in Meizani Koku and Anthe in Revolutionary Girl Utina. Which that kind of surprised me. I was not expecting uh, uh, that kind of voice yeah, <laughs> for you, this you, character. You don't expect the person that is just sweet and kind, the, you know, that whole archetype to just start slinging out rapid fire Osaka accents. Right. <laughs> oh, but Koran is great. She's, um, she's the character that's from China and she's a, basically a tinkerer. She's very smart and loves to build things and do like scientific type stuff and so they kind of recruit her 
not just because she can, you know, pilot the mechs, but also because she's very good with her hands and with machines. And so she can help with uh, building things and repairing things and inventing things. Uh, well, maybe not so much inventing things <laughs> because uh, she's kind of got the whole mad scientist thing going for her where like half of the time the stuff she invents just explodes. <laughs> Which is <laughs> very cute. But also, like, must be frustrating for the rest of her team. <laughs> but it makes for great comedy in the anime and the games where, you know, you're just hanging out with Koran. And she's like, oh, just a sec. I just got to put this last touch on something. And then. Looks like I did it again. <laughs> it's very Team Rocket is blasting off again. Oh, yeah. Especially with that cartoony plume of smoke. And she's just sitting there completely frazzled. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, it's really, you're just like, oh, Koran, you tried. <laughs> she makes really interesting things when they work. <laughs> she does. I mean, like the thing that read that lie detector that explodes if you lie. Yeah. I mean, that can be kind of handy. <laughs> yeah, true. And she did invent like really cool bazookas and stuff. That was neat. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, except for the one that blew up. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but she's really great. Um, she she is a, a character that I didn't know much about early on, but like I'd seen pictures of her and I was like, wow, she's really cute. And like she just became more endearing to me as the series went on. I was just like, aw. <laughs> you just kind of feel sorry for her too because you're just like, man, you try so hard. <laughs> I feel that. So we also have, um, ooh, from France, we have Iris Chateaubriand. And she's voiced by Kumiko Nishihara, uh, who, if anyone who watches Sailor Moon hears her voice, you will recognize her immediately as Diana in Sailor Moon Supers. <laughs> uh, but she was also Pyrotess in Record of Lotus War, which uh, that really surprised me. I didn't realize that they were the same voice. <laughs> Yeah, that one got me too. It's like, wait, really? Yeah, you're like, whoa, that's some range. <laughs> because she does like the the really cutesy sort of childlike voices very, very well. So she's not really super well known, I guess, for this the other stuff that she does. Because <laughs> it sounds totally different. But um, Iris is the youngest of the group. And she's pretty much like the one that everyone kind of has to baby and take care of. But... She has so much, she's probably one of the strongest um, spiritual energy users because she can do like a lot of stuff. She can like teleport, she can uh, levitate items, like she can do a lot of like really, really powerful stuff. She can cause like explosions with her mind. Um, so she's like really small, but very powerful, <laughs> small, but mighty. Um, and since she's from France, she dresses in like very... Um, frilly sort of like western outfits like I think the first time I saw her her dress kind of reminded me of like Alice in Wonderland almost um, you know very big and puffy skirt with like a little apron yeah that um, floofy that floofy yellow dress yes yes exactly um, she she's like super cute I I'm always like very protective of her though because like since she's the youngest I'm like no one ever touch her <laughs> 
She is a tiny child. <laughs> Protect her at all costs. She's like our daughter. She is. Because, like, you can choose to romance her, but, like, it's not, like, the same kind of, um, it's yeah. not the same kind of, uh, they, route that would go down with the other girls. It's more like a, they have sort of like a, her and Ogami have sort of like a big brother, little sister kind of relationship. Uh, which I find way more cute. <laughs> like, if it got further than that, I would be really creeped out. I would be like, no! <laughs> yeah, they managed to side, sidestep a lot of the creepiest stuff with that, which is like, you're just sitting there like, oh, thank God. Yeah, because I was very, like, worried when I first saw that she was, like, in there, and I was like, wait, you're supposed to romance one of these characters. Please don't tell me that, like, it gets weird. But it doesn't really get super weird from what I remember. Yeah. It's, thankfully. It's really just puppy love. Yeah. It's more like she just, like, is like, oh, I want to be older so I could someday maybe, like, date you or something. And, you know, it's a little girl, so her version of dating is, like, you know, go out and buy me cake and, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah, like and that. Yeah, and just dance in the flowers like that. Yeah, it's it's very, like, naive and cute. <laughs> so, like, oh, thankfully it's nothing, like, really creepy. Because, like, that was something that really made me nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. But, no, uh, Iris is super cute. Uh, I love her. She has she has a little teddy bear named Jean-Paul. <laughs> Jean-Paul is a secret best character. He's <laughs> She imagines, like, all these little adventures with him and stuff. It's so cute. It's adorable. When I was first getting into the anime, actually, I have a baby sister, and immediately Iris was her favorite character. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> she even named her teddy bear Jean-Paul. I thought that was so cute. <laughs> I was like, aww. <laughs> um, but that's the... Uh, the main flower troop girls. Uh, we also have Ayami Fujieda, who's sort of like a liaison. She's one of the uh, military officers that helps uh, recruit all of the girls. Uh, she's voiced by Ai Orikasa, who I immediately recognized as Ryoko from Tenchi Muyo. Um, she was also, also uh, Katre in Gundam Wing. She's fairly prominent in the anime as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, she has a very, very recognizable voice. Like, the instant I heard her, I was like, that is Ryoko from Tenji. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no mistake. You're just saying, it's like, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. Um, you don't get to see a ton of her in the anime, but she plays a very important role in the, um, uh, in the video games. Mm. Like, way bigger than she did in the um the OVA which uh you know I won't spoil it because it gets really like intense <laughs> if you ever do play the games uh so I wouldn't want to spoil it for you but she is a really cool character and um that Ryoko side of her comes out whenever uh she drinks <laughs> which you see a little hint of that in the anime mm. um I think in the was it the fourth third ep episode? I think the fourth, fourth. The fourth, because it shows him on the barge and she's coming out yes. like a little bit drunk and <laughs> it shows um her with uh Yoneda drinking and um Ogami falls off the boat and she's like 
It's a little bit early to be doing that, isn't it? <laughs> Which is funny because she sat there drunk off her ass, too. <laughs> but, yeah, you can definitely hear it, like, when she gets drunk, like, the Ryoko is very strong. <laughs> mm. And then, of course, we also have the the token male character, Ichiro Ogami, uh, who is voiced by Akio Suyama, uh, a.k.a. Hatsuharu in Fruits Basket. <laughs> I mean, he he didn't do, like, a whole hell of a lot, like, before Sakura Wars. I feel like Sakura Wars was kind of, like, his big breakout. Yeah, that was, like, his big Uh, debut work. And even then, he didn't have a lot of voice lines in the games. Yeah, because he's, like like I said before, he's sort of supposed to be a stand-in for you, the player of the game. Uh, So you don't actually get to hear him a whole hell of a lot. You probably get to hear him way more in the actual anime (laughs) than you do in the game. But um, but yeah, after Sakura Wars, he became uh, way more well known and popular, and so he's done a lot since then. So I didn't, I wasn't really uh, familiar with any of his work before that because he just had like sort of bit parts most of the time. Um, but after Sakura Wars, he started getting into a lot more stuff. Uh, so yeah, he was the original Hatsuharu in Fruits Basket, the first Fruits Basket. Um, so. I thought that was pretty, <laughs> pretty amusing when I first watched Fruits Basket. I was like, that's Ogami. <laughs> but um, Ogami's sort of like, I feel like he's in the game. He's kind of like a clean slate. He's just like a good dude. <laughs> like he doesn't have a ton of personality um, in some respects because you, he's supposed to be you. Um, but um, in the anime, he's, he's very like, he's almost like a doormat which makes me feel really bad because he just wants like everyone in the in the um flower division to get along because you know you know at first they fought like a lot i mean they still do but (laughs) and he's trying to do everything possible to try to get this group to be a cohesive good group but at the same time like every time someone asks him to do something he's just like okay and then it just turns into him just almost becoming <laughs> their slave. Uh, <laughs> he's just doing whatever they want, and after a while he's like, okay, this has got to stop. <laughs> We're not going to get anything done if I'm doing everything. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's basically just a cool dude who used to be with the Japanese military, and he was chosen to be like, okay, well, you did good here, so, like, we're gonna plunk you in this, and uh, this is your new project now. And he's like, oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but, yeah, that's your your little short roster of some of the major players in the original series. Um, like I said, there's way more than that, but this is sort of, like, your core... OG Sakura Wars cast of characters here. We kind of touched on the music, but the music was composed mostly by uh, Kohei Tanaka. And he's like super notable if you know anything about like older anime soundtracks. So let's see. He did the original Gunbuster, the Pat Labor OVAs, Dragon Half, G Gundam. Uh, he did arrangement for the opening and ending themes for the original Dragon Ball. Uh, the list goes on and on (laughs) like name a very iconic anime and he might have helped with it (laughs) 
And we're not kidding. He even did like stuff. Um, he even did um stuff that kind of fell under the radar for, well, in Japan. I mean, around here, it's it's kind of a beloved classic. But he did Dragon Half. He did Otaku no Video. He did um, mm-hmm. uh, Angel Angel Blair. He did um, he did One Piece. I mean, the guy gets work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's done so much. So like sometimes when you think of like iconic anime music. Like, Kohei Tanaka is usually in that conversation somewhere. I mean, all I had to do was post a GIF of the opening of the Sakura Wars anime. Like, not even a whole, the whole thing, just like a GIF of the first part of the Sakura Wars opening. And people were like, I can hear this GIF. (laughs) And it's because that, that opening to Sakura Wars is just so iconic. Every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh, it gets me so pumped up. (laughs) <laughs> it's just so good um i actually found out just recently um it was nitro from mdisc playlist uh he told me that the opening song for soccer wars was inspired by the opening song from the 1949 film aoi san Makyu, which is um like an old uh, 40s like romance film um, but I've never heard that opening, so now, like, I kind of want to see if I can find it somewhere, because I'm like, wow, what's that sound like? But the soundtrack to Soccer Wars is great, because it, it sort of melds traditional Japanese elements with modern music, and it just fits really well. It's so good. Like, uh, a lot of the parts of uh, the Sakura Wars opening u- utilizes traditional Japanese instruments, but then you go into like a really kick-ass guitar solo. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. It's so good. Like, I cannot recommend it enough. It's so good. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it, even like even just the little background melodies are immensely memorable. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Totally. I was also very happy when, like, I started playing the games that I was like, oh, the music shares a lot of the same music with the anime, which, like, it should be the other way around. But, you know, I consumed the anime first. But so I was really excited when I played the games and I was like, oh, a lot of the same music is in here. Ah, <laughs> I was like, oh, so good. So good. Um, I actually recently found out that you can buy any of the music that's in the uh, the massive Sacro Wars song box on iTunes, even in the U.S., uh, which totally surprised me. I had no idea that was a thing you could do. <laughs> and I was like immediately like, do I still have money in my iTunes account? <laughs> because I need some of this music like right now. <laughs> Just hook it to my veins. <laughs> right? Like, ah, oh, give me the... Like you can like... I think the whole, if you buy the whole box, it's like, I think $59 or something. But it's like, uh, I think it's like seven CDs worth of music or something like that. It's it's ridiculous. And that's a, it's a lot of music. And that's a lot cheaper than the actual sound box, which goes for about two change nowadays. Yeah. Uh, or you can, you can also buy some of the songs just like by themselves for, I think, 99 cents each. So if there's just a couple of songs that you just really, really, really want, you can get them separately. Um, I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes for the, the song box on iTunes uh, because 
if you really want to, you can get that. <laughs> that is the thing you can buy. Um, I don't know if it's on Spotify, but it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't that we saw it eventually. Because if it's on iTunes, eventually it's probably going to end up on Spotify. Uh, I'm really surprised at, honestly, how much stuff is on Spotify now. It's pretty great. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I think we kind of touched a little bit on a lot of stuff about what we love about the series, what makes it so special. Uh, like all the cool people who are involved making this series. So the one downside is that the, the, uh, the original OVA series for Sakura Wars is currently out of print. So it's not super easily found, but you can still find copies like, pretty inexpensively online used on like eBay or Amazon or whatnot. I honestly don't know why nobody has picked up the original OVA because it's pretty solid and it's short. It's only the first OVA is four episodes and the second one I think is also four episodes. I want to say the second is uh, six if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. That's still pretty. Yeah, good. it's only like ten episodes. Like um, ADB released them in a collection before they went like right before they went under and it was fairly cheap back in the day um there's still a bunch of those floating around so yeah you might honestly if you go to a convention and you look around the dealer's room and you find someone who's selling just like a boatload of old dvds you you probably would find it there somewhere at the very <laughs> like, least honestly at the very least you'll find the original for about a buck maybe maybe three i mean it's yeah it's they sold so it's, many of those it's really cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not the best picture quality nowadays, but I mean, it's, it's, you're paying like maybe five bucks with shipping to get the original, uh, OVA. So that's not that bad. That's pretty good, actually. Um, Sentai, I know, released the 2000 TV series and they re-released it, um, not too long ago, like on Blu-ray or something. Yeah. The Blu-ray makes me sad. <laughs> Yeah, I saw on Twitter that you were showing comparisons and yeah. like the Blu-ray was like not that great looking, no. which kind of shocked me. I was like, huh, yeah, that's bizarre. Like I I remember getting that in like a few days before Street Day because, um, well, just by luck. And I started watching like the text didn't used to be that jaggy, did it? And I started going through, I was like, something's in right here. Hmm. So then I went actually went back to like three generations of DVDs and I'd compare some like, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going crazy. <laughs> it's a shame. Oh, yeah. It's a shame. Cause it's really a good take on this, on the series. I mean, it's um basically soccer wars as directed by the person that directed serial experiments lane. So, um, I think Ryotaro Nakamura helmed it at Madhouse back in the day. So it's a really mm -hmm. good dreamlike series. It's just did not get a good release. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Uh, I think the series is also, is I think it's streaming on High Dive as well, mm -hmm. currently. Um, so if you have uh, Verve or High Dive, you can stream the TV series there if you are curious about it. Um, and also I think the movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the movie, like, because Sentai also re-released the movie. Um, I haven't bought any of these because, like, I didn't actually watch much of the TV series because I thought the OVA was better. 
I was like, mm, I don't know if I like this as much as the OVA. <laughs> so, like, at some point, I just stopped watching it. So, I don't think I ever finished it. Maybe one of these days I should, just for, like, completion's sake. Uh, because I do really love Sakura Wars. And maybe my opinion's changed. Because that was, like, you know, 2003 when I tried watching it. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? Maybe now I'll be like, wow, this is great. What was I thinking? <laughs> But uh, those are the current ways that you can get the the uh, English releases of the anime. Um, I, I really do hope somebody does pick up those old OVAs. I know in Japan, didn't they start releasing, like, uh, Blu-rays of the old releases there just not too long ago? Um, the original OVA and the movie are available on Blu-ray right now. Um and I believe they also released um, the Paris OVA. And later this month, they'll be releasing a set with um, basically all the OVA series. So that'll be um, the, 96, the 98 OVA, the 2000 Soccer Wars 2 OVA, the two Paris OVAs, and the New York, New York OVA, which never came out in the West. Ah, oh, see? That's awesome. Man. This would be the perfect time for someone to swoop in and, like, you know, get the rights to those Blu-rays. I'm just saying, you know, if anyone's listening, <laughs> I would buy those. You're, you're talking to someone that would buy, like, five copies. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam was like, I'd buy copies for all my friends and give them to them. <laughs> Come on, Sentai, you're leaving money on the table here. Come on. <laughs> oh. But now that we've gushed about just how much we love Sakura Wars and uh, what makes it so special to us, uh, we did get some listener questions. So the big question that I got over and over again, and I'm sure you probably also saw this as well, but multiple people asked, if I don't have any experience with Sakura Wars in any form, where do you think would be a good place to start? Is there a certain order to watch or play everything to get the full story? That's a good question. Um, if this was about three years ago, I would have said your best bet would be to start with the original VAs, just because it gives a good background with like some of the character origins, things like that. But at this point, with the new game coming out next month, I'd say wait for the new game, play through that. Um because it's a great entry point for new players. They basically take the same settings, some of the trappings, and basically build build a new generation around it. Kind of like going into Die Buster. They pass the torch beautifully. And it's a great launch off point for kind of building that curiosity. Then I'd say go into, say, the recent release fan translation patch for the first game. Then start exploring the anime one by one. Um, probably OVA1. OVA 2, and um, in order, basically. Then, from there, if you're still interested, start playing through the games, because those, unfortunately, are not fan translated at this point, because um, apparently the engine to work with was kind of a kind of like... I think we were talking about this before the show started. Um, the mm -hmm. people that made the translation said they basically had to um, um, say you use a custom engine for that, so it took a lot of work to kind of dive right in. They apparently completely rewrote it for the second game. So it's going to be a similarly Herculean effort. Yeah. Like it literally took, uh, these fans, these very dedicated fans years to do a proper fan patch 
of the first game because they basically had to like recode so much stuff Mm. to make it work. And I mean, that's dedication. You can see how much love Soccer Wars fans have for Soccer Wars because like, if someone told me like, oh, you'd basically have to recode this entire game, I would be like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> oh man, it gets it, it's an amazing translation too because they actually got um someone on board who translated all who subtitled all the anime scenes who um made a custom English logo. It's like a wow. It's almost it's definitely professional grade the work. It's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, God, it just makes me so sad that, like, we never actually got the official game. But um, I will link to um, more info on the fan translation for the game if you are interested. Um, if you don't have enough time to sink into playing, like, one of the original games or this new upcoming game, I would just say, like, if you can get that old ADV DVD of the first four OVAs, that is an excellent just sort of taste of what the series is about. It's like kind of truncated. It's, you know, uh, a very quick sort of like, eh, this is kind of the basics. Um, but it's really good. Like the animation's pretty great. The characters are all great. The voice acting is great. The music's great. Like it's basically like, here's a four episode long commercial on why you should play the games. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And I love it. It's really, really good. And the uh, the opening and the ending themes are just like, Mwah. like, ooh, I can't get enough. They're so good. I never skip them when I watch them. Never. <laughs> if you ever see me say, eh, you can skip the opening to Sacra Wars, it's fine. I have been kidnapped and I am asking for help. <laughs> <laughs> I am shouting at you, please rescue me. There is something wrong. Those songs are that good. Yeah, they are so good. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of the games, uh, Chris Adamson says if, uh, asks, if the first four Soccer Wars games had been localized in English and released in the West properly, do you think the franchise would be in a different place today? Without a doubt. Um, mostly because they actually were going to do this in 2003. Um, mm-hmm. There's there, there a project called the Soccer Tyson World Project where they were planning on releasing the first game the fifth game, a spinoff of the fifth game, and a bunch of side, like related side media globally. It just never panned out. But um, I really think that if it was released in the West um, and given like proper translations, proper releases in like its heyday, I could see it becoming kind of like a cult favorite, a la Persona, things like that. And we probably would have seen it just kind of low key continue even through the 2000s instead of just kind of going on a uh, 15 year hiatus. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Like, I really think there are so many elements in these games that fans would go crazy for. Uh, I mean, some of those early games might not have been like, if they were released over here, I, I can't see them being like blockbuster mm-hmm. sellers or anything, but I definitely do feel like they would have grown a cult following and eventually it would have gotten bigger and bigger until like, Everyone is like, wow, these games seem really cool. I want to try these games. A la, per, like, the Persona games, like mm. you were saying. Like, I mean, we have people going ape shit over <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm. We've never played a Fire Emblem game yeah. before. Never. 
And like I said earlier, I really feel like if you love those types of games, Sacro Wars is probably going to be exactly your jam. Like, full stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially if you like dating cute girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like Fire Emblem where you could also date cute boys. But <laughs> but if you love cute girls, well, let me tell you about Sacro Wars. <laughs> And the the whole mm. cast of very good girls who I love. <laughs> there are so many of them, and they are all precious to me. <laughs> um, I had an anonymous ask on Tumblr where somebody asked, uh, as a Mecha fan, I've always been very curious about Sakura Wars. Uh, how would you rank the Mecha battles and or the Mecha machines themselves in this game in comparison to other mecha titles. Um, that's that's so weird. Yeah. It's kind of hard because like it, it doesn't revolve around the mech. like yeah. well, I wouldn't say like Gundam revolves around the mechs or anything, but Gundam is like really well known for them. Uh whereas Sacro Wars is like they're kind of they're a cool thing that's in it, mm. but that's not like the whole focus yeah. of the, the series. Like, yeah, like, the battles themselves are basically, like, for the first two games, or, like, um, just a grid-based affair, kind of like a, a riff on, uh, like, a really scaled-back front mission, the, the way it's presented, or, um, or, like, we've been alluding to Fire Emblem, like, just that same... It's just... Yeah, like, it's yeah. a tactical, like board based yeah. sort of game sort of like um like tactic final fantasy tactics or tactics advance mm. like there's a grid you follow the grid you use your characters to kill the bad guys um i do think that the mechs are very unique though i really like the style of the mechs i like how they're explained and how they work um they're <laughs> the first time I ever saw them, I was like, it reminds me of a cute little pot belly stove. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> They're like little pot belly stoves with arms and legs. Yeah. And it's really like, I really love the design of them because they look, they're chunky, they're clunky. So they're kind of like cute in a way. Uh, and they're all painted like different colors. So each character has a, you know, color sort of like a like a sentai team like each character has a color and so their mech matches their color so in that respect i think they're really cool and unique um i think each character has like you know their own like special moves and stuff that sort of uh comes from like their specialty when it comes to their spirit energy and so some of them do look really cool even in like the old games like they have little animations where they show doing their little you know, thing. Oh, if you've ever played um, Project X Zone, uh, Sakura, some of the Sakura Wars characters are in there, like Sakura and I think Ogami. Um, I think Cross Zone had um, Sakura, Erika, and Ogami, and Gemini. Um, I yes, that makes sense. Um, I just vividly remember there was at least Sakura oh, and yeah. Ogami in there. Oh yeah, there's actually there's um, actually stage set in the um, the Imperial Theater too. Yeah, that's right. Man, it's been a hot minute yeah. since I played that game. Background, mu um, background music was a little instrumental version of the main theme. It was great. 
Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that got me so pumped. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm so ready to fight. Mm. <laughs> but um, they had little, you know, animations in that with like the uh, the little mechs doing their cool thing. Um, I feel like in the anime, they do get to shine a little bit more. Like you do get like some animated mech battles that are kind of cool. Like you get to see uh, like them do their special moves from the games. Uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, like I said, like, I wouldn't call this like a mecha series per se. Well, it's a mecha series, but it's not focused on that. That's not like the main draw of it. But it is a cool element of the game and the series. So if that sounds cool to you, like, I would say check it out. Like, you might still like it, even though it's not like, you know, a sci-fi war drama thing like Gundam. Like, it's got a lot of drama and there's cool technology in it. It's just different. And, uh, you know, there's more of a also comedy romance aspect thrown in there. <laughs> so if that sounds appealing to you, I would definitely check it out. But um, there are also like they've made like a lot of really cool figures uh, that include the mechs. Uh, and I think some figures of, like, just the mechs as well. Yeah, they actually just released some, uh, three, um, high-grade models of just the, the Kobu from Soccer Wars 2. Oh, nice! Yeah, so if you're into, like, uh, uh, plastic models and model building, there you go. You can make your own cute little pot-bellied steampunk <laughs> little mech from Soccer Wars. <laughs> Honestly, knowing that now, I'm kind of tempted to try to <laughs> make one myself. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and I know um, when I have a couple of the old Sacro Wars figures, and they came with like a tiny, tiny, tiny little version of the mech as a keychain. And I was like, this is so cute. <laughs> I remember having one of them on my bag. I think it was I think it was Koran's. And someone asked me what the heck it was. And I was like, oh, it's from this anime. And they were like, "Is you mean this like a Gundam or something? <laughs> I was like, no. It's not a Gundam. <laughs> oh, can you imagine one of those tiny little <laughs> robots versus a huge-ass Gundam? That would, not, oh. that would end very poorly. Yeah, I mean, as powerful as, you know, all the Sakura Wars characters are, I don't think one of those, you know, steel, little pot-bellied steampunk robots would uh, stand much of a chance against a laser beam sword. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe that's something for the next uh, Project Cross Zone <laughs> game. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Um, Last Replicant asks, this is a question for both of you. Which is your favorite Sakura Wars game in the series? And who is your favorite character? You go first. Oh, me first. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, let's see. I, I really liked that first game so much. But I think my favorite of the series might be the third game, actually. Just because that's the one I sunk the most time into. Because it had way more stuff in it than the previous games. <laughs> like, 
that was the game where I learned how to play Mahjong. Because there was a whole Mahjong playing element in that one. And it was really hard to learn Mahjong, y'all. Like, that game is complicated. And I haven't played it in so long, I basically would have to reteach myself. Because I was just like, uh, how do I play this? (laughs) This is so hard. (laughs) I barely understood it. It was so difficult. But... You know, as the games continued, they would just get prettier and prettier. Like, the animations would get better. The cutscenes would get nicer. The um, game mechanics would get tighter and better. And I feel like just the third game had just so much, like, really cool stuff in it. And it worked all really well. And it looked really nice. And the Paris characters are so cute. Like, <laughs> there's so many really fun characters in the uh, the the Paris division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really like them. Uh, I don't know if I like them more than the original Flower Division, but <laughs> but they're all really good. Like I said, they're all really good girls. <laughs> well, except for except for Lobelia, she's a really bad girl. No, <laughs> I love Lobelia. You take that back. <laughs> oh, she's she's a cat girl. <laughs> That's what makes her so cool. Yeah, she's she's amazing. <laughs> I, I love Lobelia. She's great. Uh, speaking of favorite characters, I would say Lobelia is one of my favorites because she's like a really cool cat burglar uh, who you rescue from prison in a very cool, like, sort of uh, espionage manner. You have to, like, save her from. She's like, she was thrown in a tower? Yeah, and she controls the power of fire, too. Yeah. So she's really cool. And she's voiced by uh, Kiko Inoue, who voiced Belle Dandy. So it's like so different <laughs> from how we usually think of her. Because she usually plays like the really sweet sort of motherly types in anime. Uh, so to hear her as this like sort of cool bad girl was like really different and really cool. And she did a really great job. Um, but from the original cast... Um, Oh, it's so hard to pick a favorite. Um, <laughs> I really love Maria. She's really, really cool. She's she's such a huge fan favorite, though. Like, everyone loves Maria. Uh, I would say probably Maria and Kana are my two faves in OG Sakura Wars. Um, but really, I love them all. It's so hard. <laughs> they're all so great. They're, they're, they're all so lovely. I mean, Maria and Kana are the ones that I would try to romance in the games so like that's that that's my uh that's how i decide like i guess they're my favorites because those are the ones that i would like to date and smooch <laughs> what about you sam all right well for the games my favorite is probably Sucker wars 2 um because it took a lot of what the first game built on and just really blew up from there it gave it a much bigger grander narrative and i thought the overall um the pacing was a bit better. The the villains were just amazing. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, Kuroki Sa- Satan was amazing. Um, <laughs> Kuroki Satan, the best villain name ever. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> I love it. Oh, every time I read that name, I'm like, yep, that sure says Kuroki Satan. <laughs> I mean, the, the entire thing was just great. The um, they just built this wonderful experience that 
took what they knew from the first game and just really ran with it. Um, that said, I love them all. I, I do. They're all they're all just wonderful games. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even have the weird, like, offshoot games that nobody cares about. Yeah, I have, like, um, let me see if I got the name here. It is Ogami Ijiro Funtoki, where you're basically setting up a a concert for the live-action characters. It is so <laughs> weird, but it's so charming. I remember there was also, like, uh, when, you know, they were doing the games for the Dreamcast, there was also a thing you could buy that was, like, basically an email checking program. Oh, yeah. Can- but, but for Sakura Wars themes. Yeah, Kinematron Hanagumi Mail, where it was literally just an email client where yep. you got Sakura Wars stationery. <laughs> <laughs> you could send emails on your Sakura Wars digital stationery. Doesn't that sound fun? Using your Sakura Wars Dreamcast that's sprint with the Sakura Wars keyboard. <laughs> with this pink Sakura Wars memory stick. Yes, the the VMU is, oh my god, those things are... <laughs> oh, I remember VMUs. Those were cool. They were. <laughs> it's a shame the batteries only lasted like a week. Oh god, right? <laughs> but I remember you could get like a little Sakura thing on your on your VMU. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. I was like, oh, it's like a digital pet, but Sakura. <laughs> it, it was such a cool idea. They actually built a little, a little pocket Sakura toy. It's yeah, it, it was. It kind of reminded me of um. Remember Pocket Pikachu? Yep, it's the exact same guts. Yeah, <laughs> except it was Sakura. Yeah. <laughs> Just take Sakura wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sakura in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, when I when I said Sakura Wars was huge and had a lot of offshoots, I was not joking. It has some really <laughs> weird offshoots, like and was some weird. Yeah, I mean. And the fans bought them. <laughs> I mean, that's how popular Sakura Wars is. In Japan, you can basically put Sakura Wars on anything and people will line up to buy it. Basically, yeah. I mean, you should see some of the stuff they're selling now. Like, um, um, they sell Sakura Wars beach towels right now. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. No. Honestly. I mean, I have, uh, what is it? I bought at a anime convention. I was in the dealer's room last day of the con last hour of the dealer's room being open and you know that's prime time for like okay where's people putting out stuff they want to get rid of <laughs> and i found this one booth that was selling like you know stuff from japan and they had this big like ginormous i'm talking huge uh old-fashioned style alarm clock that was shaped like a giant heart and had Sakura in it. And it was like a promotional item for, I think, the second game. Yeah, I have one of those. And I was like, oh, how much is this? And the guy was like, uh, I don't know. I just want to get rid of it. It's so big. How about five bucks? And I was like, oh, and I couldn't get my five bucks <laughs> fast enough. Those things are so cool. Like the random promotional stuff they put out for this this game is so off the wall, but it's so awesome. 
And when I when I lived in a bigger place, I had that clock sitting like with my video game stuff. But now that I live in a smaller apartment, my poor Zagreus clock is just like in a box of my collectibles in my closet because I'm like this clock is so huge and like it needs batteries and it's just like I just do not have time to set this up yeah. and put it somewhere. But it's so pretty, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> Let's see. The, the weirdest thing I've come across has been the Soccer Wars Denmaku Club, which is literally just a digital playset of like cutscene maker stuff, like digital dolls and dress up things. And there was a bunch of high res art on one of the discs. And I think once I started going through and it's like I started pushing it to Twitter and one of them was literally just something that looks like it was drawn in MS Paint. It was Aww. it's just like these two key pieces of um Sakura Nogami against this like red starshine background. It says in big, like just big use by Sakura Nogami. That's it. It looks like something that came off of DeviantArt. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's so wild. I know that um, Sega is, was really sort of notorious for putting like random art and things on their game discs so that like if you put it in a computer and you dug around, you could find it like hidden in the files because i know they did that with uh stuff like um burning rangers and sonic and and all that stuff uh and some of it was really weird like that (laughs) some of it just looked like someone was messing around like in like you said like ms paint it was just like what if i made this and i put it on the discs of something somewhere (laughs) and someone found it and you'd just be like well, that sure is a thing that exists. <laughs> oh, it's so random. It really is. It. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, the Patches asks, on a scale of Usagi Tsukino to Cilia Stingray, how lady boss is Sumare Kanzaki? Uh, I would say she blows everybody out of the water, yeah. including Cilia. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. She is just a dominant personality. Like, she just, whenever she's on screen, she commands the stage. It's, she is, like, the lady boss of lady bosses. Yeah, she bosses other lady bosses. (laughs) I mean, when you first, when she first meets Sakura, she basically is like, you aren't good enough to be on the same stage as me. So therefore, you cannot be in any of the plays I am in. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you literally just met her. What the heck? I know, right? And she, That's I'm, very bold. Not only that, but she almost hits her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Con- didn't I think Kana have to like um, step in there? Maria did. Or No, it was Maria, yeah. Because she's like, hey, I'm the commander. What the hell? You have to listen to me. <laughs> Yeah, Samari doesn't even like to listen to her commander. Like, yeah, she. I'd I'd say she's like a whole different level of lady boss. Like, oh. let's let me put it this way: Sumire was Sumire was such a lady boss. She became the boss of the the new Imperial Combat Review. Oh, like there you go. She is such a lady boss. She became the real boss. <laughs> she became the boss boss. <laughs> The boss of all bosses. Exactly. <laughs> Metal Gear reference. She knows the basis of CQC. <laughs> oh, 
Um, several people have uh, actually asked this. I got a lot of very, you know, this question, basically. Uh, so which song or songs from the series are your favorite? There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. I was sitting here thinking, like, God, I have to narrow it down to just, like, a few, probably, huh? I know, right? I mean, I... I keep a running playlist at all times, so it's like, how am I going to pick just one? Like, I mean, obviously, I love, 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 love the opening and ending themes to the anime, the games, like, all of all of the endings that they always make are really, really nice. I especially like the one for the first OVA, because it's like this very sort of classical jazz, like, yeah. slow piece. It's like very loungy. Very nice. Yeah, it's very, like... Um, I'm going to the bar and I'm going to order a scotch on the rocks. Like, <laughs> it's very that. And I really love it. Um, I also really like the song Sakura, which is like Sakura's basically character song, I guess. Um, you hear it in the background of the anime OVA, the first one, uh, when it does that flashback with her father. Uh, I really like that song. It's very nice. It's very traditional uh, very sort of like this whimsical, old-timey inspired Japanese piece. It's very sweet and melancholy sounding. I really like it. Um, I also really like um, Miracle Bells. Uh, like every version of Miracle Bells is really good. <laughs> uh, but the um, Maria... Uh, no, the Kana and Sumar, uh, Sumire one is probably my favorite version of that song. But all of them are really good. Like, there's a there's even a Christmas version of that song. Um, which I like. Uh, I think that was for the live-action stage show. Like, they did a winter yeah, show. Yeah, that was, um... I don't remember which year that is, unfortunately. But yeah, that was, um... Like, the way they close it out, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. And it's... The, the Christmas version of it is really nice because all of them all sing it together and it's very like uh, wintry Christmassy like they put bells and stuff in there mm -hmm. and it, it it's oh, it's really good but every version of Miracle Bells is like really really nice um, but like I think the the original one is probably my favorite but they're all really good like I said um, God I'm trying to think. There's, there's so many of the ones that they do in, like, the theater performances that are really good, too. <laughs> uh, but I think I'll just narrow it down to those four. <laughs> yeah, this is like choosing your favorite child. I know. They're all so good. They're so good. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got everything. You've got, like, um, you, you've got the classic Gekite, Gekite Kagekiran. You've got... Um, Hanasaku Otome, you have Yume no Tsuruki, you have um, Miharu ni Motoni, like, you have so many iconic songs, and it's just almost mm -hmm. impossible to pick a, a favorite, but, yeah. um, I guess I, well, what I can do is I can I'll pick one vocal main, one vocal non-main, and <clears throat> excuse me, and one instrumental, um, for the vocal main, it would probably be if excluding the original because that's just like the intro theme, just because that's the icon. Um, mm -hmm. Hanasaku Otome is just my favorite of the bunch. It's this lovely, 
upbeat piece that kind of paints this portrait of hope for the future. It's just really sweetly done. It's got a nice rhythm, nice flow to it. And mm-hmm. it's just super catchy. <laughs> um, favorite non-theme song. I'm really torn because um, while Sakura is great, I, I, that's probably my favorite. I, um, Only Man, Maria's theme takes a close second. Oh, yeah. Maria's theme is really good. All the character songs are really They're super good. good. Like, like Kana's is really fun. And um, Koran's has, like, this sort of cool, like, Chinese yeah. sort of bend to it. Because, she, you know, she's from China. Mm. Uh, like, I think w- what they do with a lot of the characters were, like, they tried to infuse elements of, like, who they were and where they were from mm. into the songs. So you kind of get, like, a little bit of a different flavor. Like, Iris's song is, like, this very sort of, like cutesy piano-y like yeah. thing and um it's like a like this big epic french sort of ballad that she mm. does and uh to her teddy bear which is adorable it is <laughs> and like all the characters have like just really fun little songs that they do and even like the other division girls mm. get their own little songs they, which yeah. is so cute they they really do and they're all they're all really good i mean i mean i it's hard to find a bad track in any of these games or OVAs or TV series, anything like that. Just because it's just, mm-hmm. it sticks in your mind. Even like these little, um, these little musical instrumental bits. Like, uh, my, like my favorite bit of those is probably try your best, um, Imperial Combat Review, which is the first battle theme. Um, I can't really describe that one because it's just, um, it's instrumental, but. Um, definitely look that one up when you get a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you look up the um, the Sakura Wars songbook, like you can hear little clips yeah. of like everything. And like I totally, if you've never played any of the games or anything, like I totally recommend just like going through and listening to some of those clips because like it gives you a really great idea of like the epicness of the soundtrack of these things. They're like so cool because you have mm. these great battle themes, but you also have these like really nice character songs. Mm. And like instrumentals that sort of highlight some of the the really key scenes and elements of the the games, and they use the same some of those same things in the anime, and it's uh, it's really good. Like, I mean, they really put so much effort and heart into like all of the music. Yeah. It's just insane. Like, there's even I can't remember I, if it's the second or the third game. I think it might be the second, but like. There's, like, a made-up, like, action show that I think Koran likes, yeah. and it's called Shonen Red, and they make up a theme song for Shonen Red. Yeah, they do, and <laughs> it's great. Like, um, I mean, it's not even that important to the to the series, but they were like, what if we made a theme song for this character that Koran <laughs> likes? And she sings it, and it's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's how much work that they put into, like, all of this stuff. Like, it's the level of care that go into these games is just insane. Like, it's really, really good. It is. So, lesson here is, if you like anime games and uh, Takarazuka and 
cool steampunky mechs and the Taisho era and very good girls with all different personalities and and interests and likes and hobbies and stuff, you might like Sakura Wars. <laughs> and what better time to get into Sakura Wars than with a new game coming out <laughs> that is basically kind of like a soft reboot. So you don't really need to know a whole hell of a lot to go into it. You just need to know like, okay, I'm going to play this cool game where I meet cool girls who pilot steam-powered mechs and we save Tokyo. And as a bonus, you do not need to be sitting there with a guide by your side written by a guy named Kayama. <laughs> yeah, it's already translated. It's official game. You can buy it. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Generally by the Yakuza <laughs> Zero team, so even better. Yes. The best in the, oh, my God. Some of the best in the business went over this one. I'm so excited about that because if you've ever played any of the Yakuza games, the localization for the Yakuza games is amazing. Like... The level of love that these people put into the localization of the Yakuza games is just heartwarming. They put so much time and effort into these. So I know that the, the this release with them behind the localization is going to be so good. <laughs> I'm so excited mm. about it. Like, this might be the thing that makes me put down Animal Crossing for like a second. And that's saying something. That's saying something as someone who is really hardcore into Animal Crossing, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, if you love any of those things that we talked about, I think Sakura Wars is definitely worth your time. It's one of those weird little oddities that was huge in Japan, but just like never really hit that hard here. But the people in the West who love Sakura Wars really really love sakura wars so i feel like that in itself is a, a good enough like push for you to be like well you know people really like this thing so maybe i should give it a shot <laughs> but now that we have spent nearly two hours <laughs> talking about how great sakura wars is uh i feel like you know, we've only touched, like, the tip of the iceberg, but I think we've done a pretty good job, you know, laying out exactly what we love about the series, wouldn't you? Th don't you think? <laughs> I agree. I mean, honestly, if we if we're going to go, like, deep in, you could write books upon books about this series. It's that it's that dense. So I, yeah. I think we definitely did a great job of kind of giving a primer on it. Yeah, each character's, like, storylines are just so, like, in-depth and, like, extremely well-handled that, like, you could you could literally write a book on, like, each character separately and their whole personality, their their ambitions, their hopes, their dreams. Because the, the world of Sacred Wars is so fleshed out. That's one of the things I really love about it is that, like, almost every aspect of Sacred Wars has had so much thought and detail put into it. You're like, okay, everything just like, you know, falls into place like so well. It's a very well realized world and all of these characters in it are so just vibrant and wonderful. I love them so much. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I could have you come by and talk about it with me, Sam. I'm glad you had me on. It was a lot of fun. 
Yay! So where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Right, well, I am the editor-in-chief at AnimeHale.com, but if you want to hear me just sit five days out of seven just making noises that only animals can hear when I'm talking about soccer wars, you can find that at Sam underscore Anime Herald. On Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. Yay! <laughs> awesome. Yay. Yes, Sam runs Anime Herald, which I have written for, like, at least <clears throat> once at this point. Uh, is a very awesome website. Totally worth your time to check it out if you never have. And speaking of cool people... Many thanks for those who left me tips this month on Kofi! Yay! Including Various Suit Girl, Kiskaloo, Fizzwig, and Joe, and several others who wished to remain anonymous. Thank you all so, so much. I really appreciate every single tip I get. These are kind of hard times now with the world being as it is. <laughs> and so... Even just a few bucks thrown my way, like, I really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so, so much. Uh, if you want to get a shout out in the next episode of the podcast to be just as cool as they are, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, uh, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com as well as animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, and you can usually find it. Uh, and while you're there, I would always love to get a little love from you listeners if you want to leave a rating or review. I always love seeing what people have to say about the podcast. Uh, or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it might take me a while to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. Uh, my amazing theme song music was made by Carobit. You can find more of Carobit's music at inazumakick.com. As always, I've been your host, Usumimi. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will see you next time. Here's where I'll put the music. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>